Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now let's dig deeper. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Bart Sheridan, and wherever, whenever, however you're listening to us today, we're glad to have you with us. We're here today, and I'm very happy to welcome back Chris Miller to the podcast table. Chris will be leading our congregation this coming Sunday in the study of Habakkuk chapter 3. So, Chris, thanks for joining us. It's good to have you back, and thanks for taking time, especially out of a busy summer schedule. Thanks, Bart. It's good to be here. Good to talk about Habakkuk, whether it's chapter 2 or chapter 3. Very good. Well, we're going to do both and maybe even delve back into chapter 1. So let's just start with this. You have spent, what? Over 30 years, certainly over 30, close to 40 years. 40 years, yeah. 40 years teaching the minor prophets to college students. Mm -hmm. And when you hear the name or the title of the book, Habakkuk, what immediately comes to your mind? It's very different from the other prophets because most of the other prophets are calling for some sort of repentance or judgment. And this book is very different. This The judgment has been settled, and so it's coming. And so it's it's all about... How does Habakkuk deal with what's going to happen to him and what is happening to him? So it's not exactly a call for an action as much as it is a call for an attitude about how to feel and how to process this bad news that is coming and you can't get out of it. He is completely trapped. He spends the first two chapters trying to get out of the trap. He realizes he finally is, and then that leads to this conclusion of, How's he going to process it? How's he going to think it? What does faith look like when facing the most difficult times of life? Well, let me hit you with this. We've got a minor prophet, mm -hmm. Habakkuk, that, uh, as Tim Cockrell shared a couple weeks ago, is really this is really a, a lament. Much mm -hmm. of the book is a lament. Yeah. And of course, when we think of lament, uh, we think of one of the major prophets, one of the four, that's Jeremiah. Yeah. Uh, how does the book of Jeremiah and the book of Habakkuk line up together? How do how are they different in their forms of lament? Oh, that's a good question. They they're very different in their in their messages because Jeremiah. I mean, they do fit right together. They're, they're ministering very similar times because Jeremiah is talking about Babylon coming to get you, but he's still trying to get his people to repent. And with with Habakkuk and this conversation he has with God, it's a foregone conclusion. There's nothing you can do. It's too late. It's, it's too late to repent. This this devastation is going to come. And the question is not whether it's coming. The question is, really, why is this coming? Help mm -hmm. me understand this, and what should I be doing in, in light of this, right? Mm -hmm. I think so. I think so. Because it, it's easy for us in hindsight to look back and say, well, this, this exile in 586 occurred. Babylon took them away. But to them, before it happened, it was just an unthinkable thing. It's, this was tantamount to God's whole program for fixing the world failing like if if you get rid of israel and we're the lighthouse of the rest of the world then your your program is going to fail god this can't be right can it and so habakkuk has every reason to to think from his perspective that this is just really really wrong it can't be true and so every fiber of his being is trying to stop it or argue his way out of it and then he finally realizes he can't bad things are going to happen so, and I'm trying to think through the minor prophets, and uh, there are really no, no other minor prophets that are similar to Habakkuk in the way they present these uh, issues. Oh, that's exactly right, because this is a, a completely different kind of book. All the other prophets are sermons or castigations or judgment, and this one 
is really just um, Habakkuk's private conversation with God. So to read other prophets is like reading sermons. To read this book is like reading a diary. Because it's really just his ruminations and discussions with God. And then he comes to this wonderful conclusion, finally, in chapter 3, about how to process it. So again, it's a, it's a very different feel. It makes Habakkuk really, really unique. And it's certainly relevant for today. Uh, we go up into the New Testament, and much of the New Testament really has a, well, all of the New Testament, let's face it, has a basis in the Old Testament, but many of the phrases that we read in the Old in the New Testament have their origination in the New Testament. I have, there are a couple that come to my mind, or especially one, uh, in verse 4, we have the, the phrase here in chapter 2, verse 4, the righteous one will live by his faith. Mm-hmm. This is something that, that Paul and then the writer of Hebrews brings out. Uh, something that we you know we see here in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38 uh, but the righteous shall live by faith this seems to be an important bridge even that little phrase between the old and the new testament can you talk about that a little further mm-hmm. yeah you mentioned paul let's just talk about let's just talk about mention all of them put them all on the table sure because romans 117 all right and 116 to 17 i'm not ashamed of the gospel it's the power of god and salvation as it is written the just shall live by faith so that's that's the introductory sum of Romans. We all know how important Romans is to New Testament theology. Galatians 3, uh, 11 and 12, same thing. The just shall live by faith, as Paul's talking about the gospel in Galatians 3, 9. And so that with Hebrews gives this a huge spread. And I think it's because, not as you said, your, your word bridge between Testaments is good. It, it simply shows that faith in the Old Testament, faith in the New Testament, exactly always have been the same uh, we often feel like though there must be big differences between old and new but there really are not much here especially when it comes to this idea of salvation and faith that saves and faith that sustains and and habakkuk's example and story here is good and chapter 2 and verse 4 is the verse but um the whole book is really a demonstration of that and we see that especially in chapter 3 um so uh, something I, I have a chance to rag all my friends. Can I do that for a second here? Go on it. Well, you know, I just have to correct Trent Rogers here. You know, uh, Trent doesn't get many things wrong. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he does, but I do want to say this. At last last uh, Sunday, he led in communion, and it was a brilliant usage because he talked about uh, Romans one and Galatians three and Habakkuk two four, and he 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 made the off-handed comment that. Habakkuk doesn't develop this very much. And he's right about that in chapter 2, which is what we were talking about. But what's amazing to me is you look at chapter 3. Chapter 3 is the exploded, amplified definition of what faith is. And we'll take a look at that the next time. The whole prayer of faith. The whole prayer of faith. And so it's almost like you could just... Uh, chapter 3 is really a commentary on that one verse. And I think that's why Paul and the writer of Hebrews pick up on it, because... It's not just an isolated verse. It's this, is the, this is the culmination, the exclamation point uh, of the verse and, and the book that, that uh, really is, we're not taking it out of context. So the righteous shall live by faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hebrews, you talked about it, Roman uh, and Romans. Hebrews 10.38 says this, and then just two verses later, mm-hmm. you and I were involved in a conversation on Sunday mm-hmm. uh, about this word, Faith. Let's just let's talk about this word faith. What does it really mean? We, uh, 
the writer of Hebrews goes ahead and t- explodes it. Uh, use mm-hmm. the term that you just, or phrase you just used, explodes it with now faith is a substance, the mm-hmm. the uh, actuality, yep. the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of not seen. Let's talk about those two descriptions of faith, mm-hmm. the substance of things hoped for. Yeah, I think it's. I think all those ideas are trying to get at a false view of faith, which is that faith is just a wishful thinking or a hope in, in, in some non-substantial reality. It's just a wish, right? And so the Bible does not promise salvation to people who just are wishful thinkers. And that's why faith has a substance to it. And that substance is the promises, the faithfulness of God. So it's it, probably the easiest way to define a full definition of faith is it's, it's putting our faith in the faithfulness of God. Because our faith has a grounded assurance in what God has done. And not to go back too much or too much preview to chapter 3, but that's what chapter 3 is all about. Chapter 3 is a studied review of God's work in the past. And so where does Habakkuk's faith come from? He puts his faith in the, in the faithfulness of God as demonstrated by the exodus and the salvation of Israel and the good work which God began in Israel to begin with. So if, if God, what you're saying, if God was faithful then, and there, we have that substance, that real uh, proof of what he's done in the past, there's every reason to believe and know that he's going to do it in the future. Yes, absolutely. And in fact, I think you and I both have almost paraphrased Philippians 1.6. Right. He who began this good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You said something on Sunday in our conversation there in our uh, group that was discussing this. Uh, you said a phrase, and I can't remember exactly what it is, was uh, some, a definition of faith, a quick definition of faith. Oh, man, I can't remember what I said back then. Uh, it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> even even the blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Bart, that well, must be what happened. Well, let, let, let's go on in another <laughs> another phrase that hit me as I'm reading this uh, this passage. It's in verse 20. It says, "But the Lord is in His holy temple; mm-hmm. let all the earth keep silence before Him." It seems to be a direct quote from the 11th Psalm. Mm-hmm. Uh, David is sharing that same that same sentiment. Is there a connection that David, that Habakkuk is making with David here? Yeah, you've yes, I think so. You have. Um... You have picked up on something that uh, is like a, a little breadcrumb trail. And if you start down that path in Habakkuk, you will find a lot more of those same kinds of things. That's, again, part of the groundedness of faith in the faithfulness of God. And so he Habakkuk is going to quote David a lot. He's going to quote Deuteronomy a lot. He's going to quote Psalm 18 is going to quote 2 Samuel 22. I mean, he's just done his homework, but that's part of his point. He is gathering from all of these incidents in the past. And uh, David is a good example of someone who who knows in the midst of difficult times, now who are we going to trust? And David's answer is, well, the Lord is in his holy temple. He's still on the throne, as we like to say, and we should say. He's still on the throne. So yeah, so Habakkuk is going to, He's going to be very, very literate, uh, and this Old Testament is just going to come bubbling out of him. Because remember where we are now in the timeline, we're getting very close to this destruction and to the exile, and that's almost the end of the Old Testament in terms of writing. We just have Ezra, Nehemiah, and Malachi that come after that. So so what does Habakkuk have to work with? And the answer is almost all the Old Testament and and his... His reasoning, his processing things include that. 
So let's go just a little deeper in, <clears throat> excuse me, into verse 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let the whole earth be silent in his presence. Mm-hmm. That hit me, and I'm thinking, okay, when I wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. I immediately turn on my podcast I listen to every morning, hear mm-hmm. the news of the day, mm-hmm. uh, or yesterday's day. Uh, I may turn on some music. Mm-hmm. On a given day, on Sunday morning, I like to turn on some some hymns or some uh, faith-based music. I don't like to be silent. I don't like silence. If I'm trying to sleep, I don't like silence. I like mm-hmm. to have something going on in the background so it gets my mind off of my what my mind is churning. Let's talk a little bit about silence and its role as a discipline mm-hmm. in the Christian's life. Oh, that's a, that's, a, that's a deep subject. That's an important subject. Um have you ever been around somebody who was so important? And I know you have been around some pretty important people that when they walk into the room, everybody shuts up. The room all of a sudden becomes full. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because of the presence of somebody else who you realize, oh, you know, all these trivial conversation I'm making probably is nothing compared to what this person has to offer. And it's, it's the, it's the right response to realizing you're in the presence of something that has much more gravitas than you do. <laughs> uh, just the other day, uh, we, our youngest daughter went, uh, went away to, for the summer, uh, mm-hmm. for a summer job. And Sandy and I are experiencing a lot more silence in the house. <laughs> and, and she was encouraging me and I need this encouragement. We need to just sit, we need to pray. We need to be, mm-hmm. we need to be silent a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she's encouraged me in that. And it is a discipline that I think we have to develop, mm-hmm. but you're talking about recognizing that God is here. God yeah. is in our life. And, and I, I think that's it. I think that the actual silence is probably a good part of that, but, but the silence especially called for here is everybody boasting, everybody complaining, everybody thinking they have the solution to this or that. And it's like, why don't you all just be quiet and realize that God knows. <laughs> right. He's here and let's mm-hmm. listen to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked in, in past episodes, uh, a number of, uh, a number of guests about God honoring lament our brother Mark here just this past week shared some time, spent some time on that first verse hey, about... Hey, Bart, let, yeah. let me go, go back. Taylor, you may have to cut this out. Yeah. I want to go right back to where you were on 220. Go at it. So so your your point about let all the world be silent and listen to him is really good in the book. And I just this thought just occurred to me because that's what happens in chapter 3. In chapter 3, he, Habakkuk himself stops complaining and he starts listening. He is, he is talking, but really he is silent because he is listening and thinking about God. So these are God thoughts that are coming to him, and he's telling us what they are. But he's no longer complaining or trying to get out of it. He's just being silent before God and hearing mm. God speak to him. And that's what chapter 3 is. God is speaking to him now. And it generates a response. And it generates a response as he has, as he has stopped arguing with God. That's, that, a good, that's a good, that's the perfect... That's the segue from, from chapter 2 to chapter 3. And I just realized that as you brought it up. 
Well, and that that goes to what I was going to say before you interrupted me. Oh, and thanks sorry. for that good interruption. <laughs> I appreciate that. But going back to verse one of chapter two, uh-huh. what was the what was the, uh, the posture of his heart, or even of his body, maybe as he is, uh, you know, he talks about stand, I'll stand in my guard post, and, mm-hmm. and Mark painted a picture for us here this past week, uh, and stationed myself on the lookout tower. I'll watch to see what he's going to say to me, what I should reply about my complaint. Almost bookends, really. Really, it seems between mm-hmm. verses one and verse twenty. Mm-hmm. That's right. No, that's that's exactly right. Because he's going to say, "What? What should I say? How, how shall I answer?" And now he's finally realized, "I'm going to stop trying to give an answer." At the end of the chapter. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay, so let's move on then about lament. We've mm-hmm. talked a number of times. Different uh, different guests here, different preachers have shared it from the platform over mm-hmm. the past uh, month or two. Let's talk a little bit more then, and we've hit on some key aspects, I think. What does this particular chapter tell us about godly lament? Well, I think uh, Tim laid such a good foundation for us the first week, and he actually had a couple of quotes that I think are worth repeating. So let me just start the conversation with that. He said, and I quote from Tim, and Tim may have got this from someone else, I'm not sure. He says, lament is how we navigate the tension of experiencing sin and suffering while trusting God's sovereignty. So the key takeaway for me is holding those two things together, the tension of not overlooking sin, not trying to excuse it or pretend it doesn't exist in a Pollyanna sort of a way, but to realize there is sin, but there's also trusting God's sovereignty together. So true lament brings those two together. Arguing, complaining forgets God's sovereignty and recognize this is reality of sin and suffering, but doesn't doesn't hold it together. Um, the second thing, and this is sim- similar words, again, Tim quoted this from Mark Vrogop's book, lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. And so again, you're mm. noting both of those together. It's There's pain, but it's a prayer, and it leads to trust. And again, it doesn't mean that it solves the pain, but the two are held in tension together. Um, and, and one more, um, and again, I'm not sh- this is Tim gave us this. God invites us to pour out our confusion and frustration to him as long as our lament is rooted in trust and humility. I think all, all three of those get at that same idea of what distinguishes lament from just a complaint or a frustration or anger or something that does not involve, in some sense, that silence before God that we were talking about. So we've talked about a number of things already today. We've talked about um, faith, the righteous shall live by faith. We've mm-hmm. talked about silence, be silence in the presence of a ho- be silent in the presence of a holy God. Mm-hmm. Listen to Him. Uh, don't always try to maybe don't don't listen to all the other uh, actors who are trying to speak into your life. Let's yeah. listen to the one true God. Yes. Uh, we talk about here mm-hmm. in verse one having that posture of looking for. Uh, no doubt there's somebody uh, perhaps listening today or listening in years to come mm-hmm. who may say, yeah, yeah it sounds really easy. It uh-huh. really sounds easy. Uh-huh. But Habakkuk was a prophet. Let's face it. Yeah, yeah. Come on. He was a God. He was God's man. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just sitting here and I'm just overwhelmed. What does somebody like me do? Yeah, good question. I guess uh, part of the answer is to wait for chapter three, <laughs> which we'll talk about next <laughs> and week. tune in. But let, but let me give you a preview of that. And that's why, that's why these definitions are so good, because the last four or five verses of the book 
he does hold them together. And he said he holds the, the sin and suffering and the faith together. And he says, this news of what's going to happen to us makes me sick. It makes my bones decay. I mean, it's just describing the deepest anguish that, that a person can feel. And, and he's not denying that at all. And there are people today who are going through those kinds of things that seem hopeless. The death of a loved one, the death of a husband, the death of, of, a, of a wife, or, or difficult times that they can't figure out. And Habakkuk is not trying to say, well, don't think about that. That doesn't matter. Faith will overcome that. No, he's saying it's true. It's there. We're holding to intention. Though the, the fig tree does not blossom, and there's no there are fig on the vines, and the fruit tree doesn't blossom, there is no good reason here yet. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord my God. Because I know that in the end, someday he's going to fix this whole thing. And his ways are too wise to be foolish and too loving to be mean. And that is saving faith. That is sustaining faith. And that's where we are. There is no quick fix to get out of these things. And if somebody tells you there is, they're lying. Keep looking back at God's faithfulness. Mm -hmm. Keep looking forward at what God promises is coming. Seems to be what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Anything else about chapter three? You want to give us a little glimpse? Anything that we should be reading? Maybe some companion resources or anything we can be doing to prepare better for mm. our time together. And that's a good Sunday. That's a good question. You know what? I think uh, I think I would just uh, read over from two twenty to three twenty. I mean, it's just twenty or one verses or so, and. Just let those absorb. Now, now the I should say that in the beginning verses, there are some pretty poetic, what seems like vague imagery that, that, that doesn't always make a whole lot of sense without some background. But it's still good to read. Soak it in. Get familiar with it. And then uh, I think anyone can get to those last five verses, which are really the conclusion, and find great comfort in them and just meditate on them and think about them and memorize them hey once again good to have you with us appreciate your taking time out of your schedule to join us today looking forward to sunday and if you are uh, looking for a home church and some place where you're going to hear the word of god preach we'd love to have you here with us on sunday every sunday during the summers this year this uh uh, summer of 2023 we meet at nine o'clock and look for a small group or an adult bible fellowship to join us as well we'd love to have you join us and discuss the sermon it's chris thanks for being here Thanks, Mark. We've been digging deeper today with Chris Miller, and you can access Grace Sermons and podcast episodes on demand. You can visit gracecedarville.org on the World Wide Web and click the Media tab. We also encourage you to share your questions and comments with us each week. You can email those to contact at gracecedarville.org. Plan to join us next time. We'll be completing our discussion here with Chris Miller and our sermon series in the book of Habakkuk. Until we meet again, I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, thanking you for tuning in to this episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Visit us online at gracecedarville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's Word.